We've been in a sermon series, uh, Over My Dead Body. Uh, has anybody been enjoying that series? Hasn't it been crazy? Oh, man. Uh, week one, we talked about, I forgot, uh, we talked about the end of me, uh, how coming to the end of myself and everything I want for my life is actually the beginning of everything God has for me. Uh, week two, we battled the, en- the main enemy, which is ourselves. It's pride. Uh, and, and we kind of came over that. We identified the enemy. Uh, and now we're moving on to a crazy closer for week number three. Um, go ahead, if you're taking notes at the top of your notebook, you can go ahead and write the title of my sermon, uh, The Living Among the Dead. The Living Among the Dead. Uh, we're closing off this series. Uh, before we do, uh, man, I got some special people in the house tonight, um, some people that we care about, some people that we love, that we cherish. Um, come on, we got our first-time guests here today. Can we make some noise for our first-time guests? Oh, man, come on, we're at New Birth. We care about our first-time guests. If you're a first-time guest, somebody say first-time guest. If you're a first-time guest, if that's you, if you've never seen my face before or anybody's face in the room, uh, all I need you to do is just one small favor. It's more so for me than it is for anybody else in the room. Can you just raise your hand right where you're at? Can you raise your hand if you're a first-time guest? Can we give them a hug if we're next to them? Can we stand on up? Come on. Leaders know what to do. Can we? Get, come on. Leave your hand up in the sky. Leave it up. Leave it up. Somebody's going to give you a hug. Somebody's going to welcome you. If you're a first-time guest, I believe we have more than five. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, um, but we love our first-time guests so, so much. Um, and tonight we're going to dive right into the sermon. You know I don't like to waste time, and I got 28 minutes. Somebody say, the living, the living. Among, among the dead. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and read Luke chapter uh, 24, verse 1 through 8, and then we'll go ahead and dive in. That's good. Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, somebody say early. The woman took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb, a.k.a. this is after Jesus dies. He gets placed in the tomb after he dies for our sins. Come on, somebody. If you've never received Jesus before, at the end of the sermon, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Uh, and so he goes into the tomb. He dies. They prepared, and then they went to the tomb after he had died. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, somebody say lightning, stood right beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. Next verse, I love this. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember when he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man is what Jesus said, must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, somebody say third day be raised again then they remembered his words come on by your heads close your eyes we're going to pray uh, and dive right into this sermon for today lord i pray that i may take my time with you today that I would not rush in through a God moment because I'm so focused on my human needs, that, that I may not rush through your presence, God, just because I'm so focused on, on, on what's happening next and what I'm missing out on, God. I pray that in this room there would be a stillness of our hearts, God, that we would focus on you and your word. Lord, I pray that I may decrease in these moments. I'm not as cool as you are, God. And so I pray that when people look towards this altar, they would see you more than they see anything else, God. This church, this building, this body of believers is all about lifting up the name of Jesus. Because at the end of the day, my words will die and fade away, but Lord, your word lasts forever. So I don't let my identity, I don't let acceptance come from anybody else besides the one who created me, God. Tonight is the night where somebody finds freedom. 
And God, I pray for every single person in this room that we would have a good time. Come on, we're not here to be boring, God. We're here to be loud. We're here to be crazy because you were loud and you were crazy whenever you said that you loved me. So God, thank you for your love. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. How's my front row doing? We doing good, guys? Come on, can I, can I feel some energy off the front row? And my back row, can I see my homies back there? Come on. Hey, hey, hey. What about my middle section? We doing good? We doing good? Oh, man, my middle section needs a little bit of revival. Come on, somebody. You got to you come to the five weeks. Uh, it's going to bless your life. Um, tonight, we're talking about uh, the living among the dead. Uh, something I hate, and, and I always start off my sermons with things that I hate because we're going to dive into Jesus, which is somebody that I love, right? So something that I hate uh, is losing things. I hate losing my glasses. I hate losing my phone. I hate losing my mind. And I do that way too often. I hate it all. When I lose something, my day is ruined. Something else, this, is not, this has nothing to do with my sermon. When I spill milk on myself. You're probably saying, like, Dennis, that still happens? Okay, stop. Like, we're not talking about that. But that gets me really upset. I get really mad uh, when I spill milk on my shirt. It gets cold. My chest is freezing. I get pneumonia for like two seconds. I'm frustrated. My day is ruined. I, I hate losing things. Um, one day, my, my mom, she's yelling at me, yelling. Y'all ever been yelled at by your mom? Yeah. Not in comparison to me. Like, I've been yelled, I've been beaten, I've been bruised. I know this was the best day of your life because it was the worst day of mine, right? She's yelling at me, telling me, Dennis, go get the controller. I'm like, Mom, I'm in my room. You're watching TV. You get the controller. Well, okay, hold on. Y'all ain't never said anything crazy to your mama? I know I was walking into something crazy. My grave was about to be there, right? Uh, so mom playing video games. What you doing? Chill out, girl. She says, Dennis Xavier Rivera. No, but this is the worst part. She ain't saying nothing after that. I'm in my room like ears, like a hound. Like I'm like, what's she gonna say next? She doesn't say nothing. She says my name one more time, Dennis Xavier. We all know how it goes. We're Hispanics, right? I gotta get up. I got to put some socks on because I was cold. I'm pretty sure it was December. Put some socks on. I went to the living room. I was like, what, Mom? She is sitting on the couch, reclined. Where's the controller? Mom, I haven't seen TV. I haven't watched TV for, like, weeks. I've been in my room playing video games. You know I don't know where the controller is. Why are you making me look for it? She makes me look for it. I'm going everywhere. I'm like, Mom, are you sitting on the controller? She's like, no, I'm not. I just sat down. I know it's under me. I'm like, Mom, are you sure? I go around the whole living room. I go to the kitchen. I go to the bathroom. I do all of these things. And I'm like, Mom, stand up. Oh, yeah, y'all know where the controller is. She is sitting right on it. I'm looking at her like, Whoa. I just wasted all my time. I left my friends. I did all these things to find something that was under you the entire time. I'm already preaching. I hope you know that. Man, and I think back at that moment. If there's ever a group of people like that. See, that, that was just a moment in my life. But to many of us in this room, that's actually a lifestyle. Where everywhere you would go, you would be looking for what's exactly right under you. You'd look for a forgiveness that is already yours. You'd look for a love that is already yours. And I want to ask you the question the angel asked the woman of Jerusalem. He said to my first point today, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for things that are alive and meaningful in places that are dead and meaningless? You're looking for the beauty of life in the ugliest of places. My question to you today is why are you looking for the living among the dead? What are you running towards for the source of your life? 
When, when you think about happiness, where do you find it? Well, when you think about love, uh, where are you going towards in this story? We, we realize that the grace of God is not found in a grave because they went to the grave where Jesus was at. I want to teach you my next point today. The grace of God can only be found in God. Come on, you're looking for forgiveness in the wrong areas. You're looking for acceptance in the wrong areas. You're looking for identity in the wrong issue, in the wrong problem. God is the answer, but you're running towards questions to find an answer. Come on, you're looking for grace in a grave when grace is only in God. You've been going all your life running around. You've been going all your life looking for things that aren't the actual source of your answer, and you're confused. It, it gets crazy because you're mad that you're confused. You're so upset. I'm confused and I'm angry. And this upsets me. Man, what a frustrating life to live. Where you think you've got it right. Where you think it's somewhere else, but it's actually right where you are. What about love? You know, it's crazy. A lot of us, we look for love in the land of lust. And we get so lost. I, I, let me make it a little bit bigger because a lot of y'all, when I say the word sin, all you think about is sex, right? Like, let's, let's switch the paradigm. Let's make it a little bit bigger than it actually is. It weighs more than just sex, even though sex is actually a big problem we're going through. We're losing love because we're looking for it in the land of lust. In other words, all you care about is lusting over your own desires. Wow. And you're looking for love in a place that is meant to only satisfy your flesh. Uh, everybody says there's a lot of fake Christians in the world. I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of shallow Christians. There's so many fake people. And I, I don't think that's true. I think everybody's consistent to who they are because they're too, they're too hard-headed to change who they are. I just think there's a lot of shallow people. They haven't worked on the depths of who they are. So when you finally break through the ice, you find somebody else. It's not that they're fake. They're just shallow. That light is like freaking me out. It's all right. We'll, we'll figure it out. The Holy Spirit is right there. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I feel the light of Jesus coming on you guys right now. Come on. There's a word for you in the house. Come on. We're looking for love in the wrong areas. My, my, my pastor said this this past Sunday. He said, a distraction is anything that requires your yes but doesn't support your purpose. Come on. And everywhere you go in life, you are frustrated and distracted and you're running around. I need to let you know, David killed a Goliath, but he fell to a Bathsheba. Oh, he killed a giant, but someone who's just a little bit smaller than him and a lot more good looking is what he fell to. Come on, the devil will let you kill a giant that's up there so you can fall to an angel that's actually a fallen angel down here on earth. Come on, the devil doesn't have to destroy you if he can distract you. And a distraction is anything that asks for your yes, that requires your commitment, but is not willing to push you towards your calling. Oh man, some of us are so distracted in this day and age. You wake up to a distraction, you fall in love with the distraction, you go to dinner with a distraction, you go and marry a distraction, you join all these things that are distractions, and when you wake up, you look for a God, but in reality, it's just more distractions. Why are we looking for the living among the dead? There's an interesting idea about the passage that I read about the woman of Jerusalem running to the grave. Somebody say Spices. They had prepared spices, the Bible says, and they walked into the grave. Now, I don't know about you, but does anybody have a short amount of patience in the room? Anybody in this room? Come on. Like, if I'm going to walk into something stupid, like, stop me. 
If you're my real friend, let me know she's crazy. Like, let me know he's a problem. Let me know that they've been around town. Let me know that they all they do is talk gossip. Like, if you're my real friend, don't let me waste my time. You feel me? Like, be real with me. I'm saying, wow, that was crazy. Some people are. All right. We're going to have a healing prayer after this. It's okay. It's all right. We're good. I get these moments where I'm just like, man, like, don't waste my time. My mom, I'm like, yo, it's under you, mama. She's like, no, it's somewhere else. I'm, like, I'm just wasting my time here. I got to play video games. You got to watch a movie. Like, you're about to miss it. Like, can we just get this over with? If I'm one of the women of Jerusalem, I'd be like, man, if an angel's going to pop out and tell me that Jesus isn't in the grave when I'm already in the grave, you really couldn't have sat on top of the rock, like, with fire or something, like, letting me know, don't enter. He's not there anymore. Like, you had to wait till I found out for myself that he's not in there. Wait, you had to wait till I stepped into sin to find out he's not in there. You had to wait for me to step into the wrong relationship to find out he's not in there. It's my next point today. Come on. Sometimes God lets you get in the grave to prove to you he's not there anymore. Come on, you'll step into a sinful situation. God didn't push you there. He let you get there so you could find out for yourself, I'm not in there. My son, my daughter, I didn't get there. I let you go so you could find out I'm not involved in that type of lifestyle. I don't move to that particular place. I'm not found in that sin. I'm not found in that addiction. You're looking for love in dead areas. I'm not found in those areas. I'm not in the grave no more. Come on, he'll let you step into the grave just to show you that he's not in it anymore. It's crazy to me. If we look at the story of Jonah, if we don't know the story of Jonah, he got eaten by a big fish or by a whale. If you were in Sunday school, we know what we're talking about now. Cool. <laughs> Bible says that God told Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh. I need you to preach and, and save them. I, I need you to go talk to them. The Bible says Jonah said, Nineveh, okay, go in the opposite way. And what's crazy to me isn't that Jonah disobeyed. What's crazy to me is that God let him. I think, I think about, like, how crazy we are sometimes, and I'm like, wait, God, you actually let me do that? <laughs> Hold up. You know how bad it is. You know your son died for this, and you still let me step into it, God. Wait, I, I don't understand what you're talking about, Jesus. This, this doesn't make sense. How could you look at such a crazy world and not destroy it but let it happen? And the reality is, is, is that a lot of people would think, oh, it's because God doesn't care about you. God lets life go on because he doesn't care about you. Actually, I, I want to change the paradigm. Maybe it's not that God doesn't care about you. Maybe it's just that he believes in you too much to get in the way. I, I got to trust him with another day of life. Maybe they'll get it right this time. I got to trust him with a little bit more grace. Maybe they'll get it right this time. They stepped into the grave, but I believe if I can get out the grave, says Jesus, maybe they can get out the grave too. It's not that God is letting you do life alone. It's that he's watching every step of the way saying, I believe today's the day where you get it right. I believe today's the day where you say no to drugs. I believe today's the day where you get free of your addiction. I believe today's the day where you talk to your mom about that problem, where you talked about your dad, how he left you and how it hurt you. Come on. Today is the day where you would find the freedom you've been searching for come on sometimes God has to step back so you can move forward some of us hate God for what he's doing and he says okay gotcha so many moments in the Bible where the where the Bible says specifically and then God handed them to their enemy and they were so disobedient and hard-headed that God had no other choice but to hand them to their own enemies. It's crazy. A lot of us, we love to blame the devil for so many things. It's probably not the devil, big fella. It might just be your ignorance. 
No, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm not here to offend nobody. Chill, 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 chill. We're all ignorant. It doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means you lack knowledge. It just means you haven't taken the necessary steps to mature in certain areas. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm just letting you know what the reality of stepping into sin looks like. It wasn't the devil. It was our decisions. Come on, God will let you get in the grave. He'll let you step into the bad moment. He'll let you step into the frustration, into the guilt, into the anxiety, into the depression, just to let you know you haven't been leaning on him. You've only been leaning on yourself. I'm going to read Psalms chapter 51, uh, verse 9 through 12. This is the Passion Translation. Shout out to Julie. She's probably not in the room, but she showed me this. It's amazing. David, he just messes up, ready? He knocks up a girl. She's married. He gets her pregnant, and then he goes, sends her husband to the front line of battle, because he's the king and he can do that, to kill him so he can steal the girl, right? The Bible is not perfect. The guys in it are jacked up mess. If you come in here with problems, the Bible has a lot of problems for you. He, he, he kills the guy, takes his girl. Then God says that, hey, because you did this in disobedience to me, I'm going to let the baby die. Then David, in chapter 59, man, if you've ever fallen into a deep sin, read chapter 59 of the book of Psalms. It's a whole prayer David says about forgiveness. And when I, every time like I mess up, every time I think the wrong thing, every time I almost curse somebody out, but I really do it in my heart, every time like I, I do something like that messes me up from the core, I feel conviction, I read this psalm, and I'm like, dang, now I get it. Psalms 59, hide my sins from me. I Hide my sins from your face. Erase all my guilt by your saving grace. Create a new heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. May you never reject me. This is the part. May you never take from me your sacred spirit. Let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough that you bring to me. Hold me close with you, God, a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. I got to read this again. Verse 11, may you never reject me. Your prayers ever sound like that? God, may you never reject me. I love this part. May you never take from me your sacred spirit. You know, it's crazy because we, we all believe this phrase that you don't know what you have until you lose it. My prayer as a pastor, my prayer for my children, my prayer for my future wife, my prayer for myself, my prayer for the church is that we would never learn that lesson with our relationship with God. You don't know what you've got until you've lost it. May I learn that through other things like finances. May I learn that through hobbies. May I learn that through dreams. But I pray that I never learn that life lesson through my relationship with God. I don't ever want to get to a place where I'm saying, man, I can't believe how good God's favor is. And I realize it now that I don't have it. Man, I can't believe how good God's love is and God's grace is. And I realize it now, now that I'm stepped in a grave that doesn't have God's love and grace. Come on, you have no idea what you've got until you've lost it. And my prayer is that we would have this prayer that David prayed. Lord, may you never take your presence from me. May you never take your spirit from me. God, I, I, I can lose everything else, but, but I'm, I, I'm like a drug addict in withdrawals. If I don't have your presence, I can't breathe without it. I can't take another step without it. I feel uncomfortable without it. When I wake up, my heart is hurting. God, if I'm not in your presence, I feel like I don't belong. I might as well just kill myself, God. It doesn't make sense to live a life outside of your presence. May we have that heart that David had that says, no, 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 no. I, I can learn that lesson that what I don't have, I'll finally learn it once I lose it. I, I'll learn that 
with everything else, but not with Jesus. No, 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 don't let me do that with Jesus. I pray that our hearts in this moment as we read the scripture would begin to turn and that your prayer from this moment on isn't God bless me, isn't God love me, he already does, isn't God forgive me, he forgave you for more than you're even asking for. Your prayer would be God never let your presence escape from me. If I lose everything but I've got your presence, I actually have everything. Nothing plus Jesus equals everything you'll ever need. I pray that from this moment on we would be a church that is hungry for the presence of God, that you would come into this place you would be loud. You would be energetic because you have the presence. Can I let you know your words ain't going to do nothing? It's not. The Bible says that there is a power of life and death in your tongue. But the Bible also says that Jesus is life. So if you want to speak life, you need to have life. Your words can do nothing without the word of Jesus in your heart. Come on, what comes out of the mouth, the Bible says, comes from the overflow of the heart. Just because you get a little bit of Jesus doesn't mean it's going to overflow from your heart. Because you got a lot of sin, you got a lot of frustration, you got a lot of unforgiveness. Come on, it's the overflow of Jesus in my life that would then make my tongue speak life. Come on, but your words don't do anything. You need God's presence. I pray that I would be like David. I pray that you and I would be like David. That, that, that's, that's my first section. I got three sections. I'm almost done. First section is where do you look for Jesus? In a grave? He's not there anymore. In sin? He's not there. In guilt, he's not there. In frustration and calamity, he's not there. In sexual sin and lust, he's not there. Where do you look for Jesus? My, my next part of this sermon is how do you look for Jesus? There's a story uh, of, a, of a lady, she's at work. Somebody say work. Yeah. Gotta make sure y'all with me. She's at work. She gets a phone call from 911 saying, hey, your apartment is on fire and your kids are still in your house. I can hear them. She runs out. She goes to her house. She sees all her kids in front of the fire truck and she hugs them. Oh my God, my children. I love you guys. Thank God you're safe. Thank you, Mr. Firefighter. And then she says, wait, 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 wait. hold up. Where's the baby? She runs into the fire. The, the fireman has to grab her and give her to the police so they can hold her. The fireman runs up to the third floor. This is a true story, by the way. He runs up to the third floor. He can't see because there's so much smoke. Come on, if you're ever in a fire, crawl down under us where the oxygen is at. There's smoke. You can't see nothing. So he's up there. He can't see nothing because of the smoke. So he's crawling through the second floor, goes up the stairs, crawling through the third floor. He's touching the numbers of the doors to see what the correct apartment is. When he finds the number that he feels out, he breaks the door down. He's feeling every single wall, getting into the baby's room to what he thinks is the crib. He grabs the baby in the crib. The baby is crying. He, cu he, uh, he cuddles the baby under his jacket, and he runs downstairs the same way he came up. The moment he steps out the building, the building collapses. And the mother has a sigh of relief. And when the firefighter pulls out the baby, it's actually a doll. Now, I listen to this story, and I wonder, man, how many times is that me? How many times have I been close to the right thing? How many times have I been in the right room at the right time, but yet I missed everything about it? Maybe the grave isn't a place. Maybe it's a perspective. Come on, you went into the fire. You had a God moment. He was all around you, but because you didn't have the right vision, you didn't have the right perspective, you missed the entire thing, and what you thought was life that you were holding on to was just a persona, a fake, a figure of your imagination. It's not real life.
So many times I've been like that. So many times we fall into that. We would come into this church thinking that church is about blessing me instead of me jumping into what God is calling me to do in the church. And you would come in with the wrong perspective. And you would come in thinking you've got the real thing, saying, I got the baby. I'm okay. I'm good. I, I've got life. I've got life in my hands. I escaped the fire. I made it right on time. Look at me. I'm so good. And when you were to pull out the thing that you believe God blessed you with, it's just a doll that you grabbed for yourself. Come on. Would we be a church that fixes our perspective? That says, God, I pray that I would never fall for the wrong thing. I pray, Lord, that I would never fall for a, a misinterpretation of who you truly are. I want to teach you, ready, ready, the difference between a garden and a graveyard is what's under the ground. That's it. There's still trees. There's still rocks. There's still people. But the only difference is what goes under the ground. Come on, the difference between your perspective will determine whether you're bearing something in your life or whether you're planting seeds. Your perspective changes everything. Come on, when God meets you, your perspective needs to change. You can no longer say, I'm going to give hate for hate. You can no longer say, I I'm going to love people only that love me back. You can no longer say, I'll only be your friend if you're my friend first. You can't say those things anymore because the perspective of life needs to switch. Because you would come in here saying, nah, I'm just not a people person. Really? Because the Savior you just accepted died for people. And you can't live with them? And, and you can't love them? I actually believe in a God that doesn't say, hey, everything is going to be okay. I believe in a God that says, deny yourself. Pick up your cross, like Carla was saying, and come walk in my shoes. Come take my steps. I believe in the Bible that says, hey, think of others better than yourself. The Bible that says, love your neighbor as yourself. There's got to be a root of love, but if we don't have the right perspective, we'll grab on to the wrong thing. Number one, where are you looking for Jesus? Number two, how are you looking for Jesus? Come on, are you bearing or are you planting? My next point today, we want to experience God's presence without planning sacrifice. Can I teach you? Can I teach you real quick? Yeah, cool, awesome. I'll be a teacher, maestro, professor, whatever you want to call me. I'll be a doctor, right? No, just kidding. Stupid. Second Samuel chapter 24. I love what it says here. I want you to understand, God's presence, you can write this down, God's presence is always connected to sacrifice. Anytime you pray, there has to be a sacrifice. Anytime you worship, there's got to be a sacrifice. Anytime you enter God's presence, there has to be a form of sacrifice. And David understood this. In this time, David was the king, and they were going through a terrible plague. So David, he goes to this man's name. What's his name? Uh, Arana, right? We'll call him A. He goes to A's house. He says, hey, I, I got a sacrifice at your house. God said, in order for the plague to stop, I got a sacrifice at your house. A says, all right, bro, I got you. Do your thing. We pick up here. He says, take my Lord, the king. Take it. Use it as you wish. Arana said to David, here are the oxen for the burnt offerings. You can use the threshing boards. You can use all my stuff. You can use the wood to build a fire. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. And I love what David's reply is. But the king said to A, no, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that have not cost me anything. He said, if my worship isn't going to cost me anything, I don't want to give it. 
If my lifestyle is not going to cost me anything, I, I don't want to give it. I, I know you can give for me. I know you can pray for me. But if it's not going to cost me a thing, I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to get near it. I'm not here for somebody else to, buy my, to fight my battles. I'm not here for somebody else to worship for me. I'm going to worship for myself because I understand. For me to step in God's presence, I've got to sacrifice. Oh, you want to go where it's easy. You want to go where it's good. You want to go where life is great. Come on. God is saying, if you want to experience my presence, my presence is always connected to sacrifice. Where are you looking? How are you looking? The worship team, you guys can come on up. We're going to go crazy in just a second. Where are you looking? How are you looking? And the last one, I want to take you back to the basics. I'm going to say back. I'm going to take you back to the basics. Ready? What are you even looking for? I think we've gotten to a point in our lives, and somebody can raise their hand if you agree with me, that we don't even know what we want anymore. There's just so much to grab in this earth. There is just so much to do that I, I don't even know what I want to do as long as I get a little bit of everything. I don't even want to have a full course meal. Just give me all the samplers. Like, I'll just live month to month, sample to sample. I'll never have a full course meal, but I'll get a little bit of what you got, and I'll get a little bit of what you got. And every day I'm ruining my diet in this thing called life because I'm just getting a little piece of everything. Oh, man, he's a snack. Oh, she is a snack. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh, she bad? I know she's bad. Look at her heart. She's not just bad. She's bad for you. Come on. Hey, just because it feels good doesn't mean it's working for your good. Come on. Pastor Air was preaching this past Sunday. Come on. Not all things that feel good, not all things that entertain actually elevate you to your next level. Come on. She may look like a snack, but I'm asking God for the whole meal. I need something that satisfies. I need something real. Why are you looking for the wrong things? Why are you looking for the right things in the wrong places? Are you looking for the living among the dead? How are you looking for it? And my last one, my last one, hold on. I need you to slow down right now. Ready? What are you even looking for? I'm going to teach you again. I'm going to put my glasses on. Somebody say uh, the Gospels. The Gospels, let me teach you the Bible, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, ready? They're called the Synoptic Gospels. It's a fancy word for saying they all share the same message for different perspectives. It's the Gospel according to Matthew, the Gospel according to Mark, the, Ma the Gospel according to Luke, and the, the Gospel according to John, who calls himself the Beloved. You got to read it. It's hilarious, right? He didn't even say his own name. He writes his own story, says, the Beloved One of God. It's hilarious. We just read in the beginning the Gospel according to Luke. That says the woman of Jerusalem, they went to the grave, they stepped in when they saw the tomb was rolled away, and then men dressed in garments surprised them, said, he's not here anymore, why are you looking for the living among the dead? But then there's the gospel according to John that shares a part of this story that isn't in Luke's gospel. It's the same story, different timeline, so let me do the study for you. I'm breaking it down. Ready? This is how the story goes. Jesus dies, he resurrects, the stone is rolled away. The woman of Jerusalem and Luke, they run to the grave. Mary Magdalene, somebody say Mary. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is with the woman of Jerusalem. The Bible says when she sees the stone is rolled away, she runs back to the disciples. The woman go into the tomb. They have the moment we, th we read, but Mary Magdalene is running back to the disciples. She tells the disciples the, the, the stone is rolled away. I don't know where they took him. I don't know where Jesus is at. Where's his body? What's going on here? And then Peter and John, they run with her back to the grave. The woman of Jerusalem run back to the disciples as those three are going back to the grave. Y'all with me still? Did we get it? Bible says John gets there first, then Peter, and then Mary Magdalene. The woman of Jerusalem go to the rest of the disciples. They don't believe them. They stay there. These three are here at the grave. 
Peter goes in first. Bible ex- explains Peter goes in there and he's, he's asking questions. What, what happened here? Jesus died. He entered the grave. What's going on? This don't make no sense. I, I, I don't get this. And he walks out. Bible says John enters the grave and he gets it. But Jesus was telling the truth. He was real. I believe. I I know he's the son. I know he's the Messiah. I know what he did because he's been saying it this whole time. John leaves and he's excited. He's ready for it. But the Bible says that Mary Magdalene stayed outside while both of the men went in. They get their moment. They have their questions. They leave. And the Bible picks up here in in John chapter 20. I actually didn't put it up on the screen so you could listen to me read it. It's crazy. I'm closing with this. John chapter 20. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. They left, and as she wept, she stooped inside and looked. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave crying and saw someone standing there outside of the tomb. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Get ready to cry. Who are you looking for? Jesus said. She thought that he was a gardener. And so Mary Magdalene said, sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you put him and I will go get him. Jesus says, Mary. And at the sound of Jesus calling her name, she realizes who he truly is. She clings on to him and she hugs him crying. And the Bible says she yells, teacher, my master, you are here. It was the moment that he called to her that she understood, whoa, you are Jesus. You're not just the gardener. You're the real deal. And you resurrected. You look all dead and you look all crazy, but you're alive. It was when he called her name. The sermon series over my dead body is about living your new life that God died for. Not the old life that you've been stuck to and used to. And my fear is that when Jesus calls your name, you won't know it. When he says Martha, when he says Luke, when he says Jasmine, you would be so stuck in your dead life and you did not move over your dead body to your new life that when Jesus calls you by your name, you would stay here in the grave. You can't find Jesus in the grave. He's not there anymore. See, but something I learned from Mary Magdalene is that even though I can't find Jesus in the grave, doesn't mean he can't find me in the grave. Come on, I may step into a situation saying, man, God really isn't here. My perspective really is wrong. But that has nothing to do with God stepping outside the side of the grave saying, hey, Dennis, I'm right here. Come on, maybe you've come into this room and you've stepped into the grave of your life. Maybe you stepped into some sin you shouldn't have stepped into. Maybe you stepped into some addiction that you can't get rid of. And you're saying, man, I thought I could find happiness here. I thought I could find joy. I thought I could find peace. I thought I could find life in here. But I found nothing at all. Can I let you know? Joy, peace, life, happiness is standing outside the grave in the man that is named Jesus. And he's looking right at you. And he's just calling you by your name. My question is, are you willing to run out the grave when Jesus calls you by your name? Are you willing to say, man, I don't like this place anymore i'm running out of my sin i'm running out of my grave i'm running out of my frustration oh man some of y'all so judgmental you come in here you see everybody running out the grave 
and you laugh at them because they're, too, they're brave enough to do something you're not brave enough to do. I don't even want to worship that loud. That's cool. <laughs> you know, I, I don't even like the music at church anyways. Like, their worship team is not that good. And everybody here who ran out the grave is enjoying their moment. Everybody here who ran out the grave is having the time of their lives with Jesus. But you're still in your grave saying, it's not even worth it. It's not even clear. It's not that cool. Come on, he's calling your name. He's saying, Jonathan. Come on, Penelope. Joshua. David. I need you to step out. I'm calling your name, and when I call your name, you're going to see me for who I really am, and you're going to be who I've always called you to be. Come on, this is the moment where everything changes. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for you in this moment. Come on, right now, would you start talking to God? God, I need you to call my name. I want to hear you, Lord. Maybe not audibly through my ears, but I want to hear you in my heart, God. Holy Spirit, all over this room, God, come on, we receive your word, Jesus. You're calling us to a new life, God. And maybe it's uncomfortable. Maybe it's weird. But when you call my name, God, I'm running out of the grave. Come on, from death to life, from grace to grace, Jesus. Come on, if you're in this room and you're saying, Dennis, I want to run out the grave. If you're in this room saying, Dennis, I've been looking for God in the wrong places. Today, I want to dedicate my life to God. Today, I want to focus on him again. If that's you all over this room, come on. Can you just raise up your hand right where you're at? I'm not going to count. I'm not going to look around. If there's anybody in the room that wants to say yes to Jesus, would you raise your hand? Anybody in the room? Holy Spirit, come on. I see one hand. I see two hands. Is there anybody else? I see three. I see four. Is there anybody else? I see five in the back. Is there anyone else? Come on. This is your moment. Run out your grave. Run out your grave. Come on. This is all for you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come on. You can put your hands down.